station. Clear the air lanes. Clear all air lanes for the big broadcast. Welcome to this week's edition of Waking Up the Outdoors with Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. Brought to you in part by our good friends out at Three Rivers Boat and RV Storage. Hey, do you need storage for your camper, your trailer, your boat, whatever? Give my friends uh, Tracy Dick or Danielle a call over at 515-822-1362. And they will take great care of you over there at Three Rivers Boat and RV Storage in Carlisle. I'll tell you more about them later in the show. We are broadcasting live out at the Iowa Cubs, we're at Principal Park right now overlooking a beautiful view of the city. Hunter and I have got it made. Storm uh, rain starting to clear out a little bit. Looks like we've got some clear skies. I can see the Capitol, and man, what a beautiful sight, folks, to see all that green grass and everything over there at Principal Park. Andrew is manning the controls at the station, and uh, it's going to be a fun day here at the park. It's the Outdoors Day at the park. It's a celebration of all the outdoors Folks in Iowa, if you like to hunt, fish, kayak, go uh, camping, it's all for you today. And uh, I'll tell you more about that later in the show, but uh, it's it's exciting to be here. I'm actually sitting, uh, Hunter and I are actually sitting in the press box right now. And I've done a lot of things in my broadcasting career. I've been doing this, I, I, I figured this out yesterday. I, I, I had something come up on Facebook, a memory. And this is uh, going on my 20th year of broadcasting here in central Iowa for doing the Outdoors Dance Show. Could you believe that? 20 years. But this is the first time I think I've ever sat in the press box and uh, did the show. So it's pretty cool. I'm always excited when we get to do something new. And Hunter was nice enough to get up this morning and get out here. Poor fella. I mean, I, I don't want to get up this early unless I'm out hunting or fishing. But uh, he's got us on the on the controls and uh, keeping us on the air here at Principal Park. So we got a we got a fun show. We're going to talk about habitat for a little bit today. We got Dr. Grant Woods on, and uh, Grant is probably one of the one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to habitat and what we need to do to keep our uh, our turkeys, our pheasant, our quail, our deer, everything that we'd like to see or go after in the fall. Uh, on our properties thriving and uh, and showing uh, and my phone light is on why is my phone light on that's weird uh, showing us that uh, we have uh, a good amount of game so we're going to visit with him and then in the eight o'clock hour Andrew Quillen we had a we had one of the Cub players lined up 
Hunter, what was his name? Kyle Ryan. Kyle Ryan. Uh, we had Kyle set up to do the show, but guess what? He got called up, and he's at the Big Cubs again. So, you know, say lovey, do the Maya show or go to the Big Cubs. I'd probably go to the Big Cubs. Yeah. Better food. Anyway, you know. So, uh, anyway, let's go over to the phones. And, Andrew, hey, before we do that, Andrew, you doing okay? Everything good at the station? All right, just want to make sure you're taken care of, little buddy. So you got Grant on the line for me? Sure do. Well, uh, let's go say hi to Dr. Grant Woods. How you doing, Grant? Good, good morning, Dan. How are you? You know, I'm good. I'm I'm sitting here at Principal Park, and uh, uh, that's our that's the AAA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they're having a mm-hmm. celebration for all the outdoors today, so hunting, fishing, and all that, which is kind of neat. And I'm in the press box overlooking the field right now, Grant, you probably doesn't get much better than that unless I'm in a tree stand. You know, that sounds like a great place to be. A lot of baseball guys. I work with a lot of baseball players because they're, of course, off in the hunting season and enjoying. I won't mention any names, but I worked for one well-known baseball player for several years. And he was like, boy, I, I kind of want to make the playoffs, but I don't want to make the series because I need to be home hunting during that time. <laughs> You know, I've I've got to meet a lot of the players uh, from doing the show on uh, down in St. Louis for 25 years on the Big 550. Uh, I got sure. to, yeah, Albert Pujols. I got the I got to set up a bow for Albert Pujols and Eli Marrero, who was his catcher at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, I I got to meet, uh, gosh darn it, I got to meet a couple of other guys and some of the hockey, the St. Louis Blues hockey players too. And you know what, Grant, it's so fun to sit there, you know, I, you want to talk to them about baseball and stuff and they just want to talk hunting, you know, uh, uh, I got a chance to take Waddy Herzog and Red Shanings pheasant hunting, uh, one time. And I tell you what, I could really care less about the hunting that day. I, I wish I could have brought everybody with me just to hear the stories I heard when we were eating lunch. It was, it was simply amazing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, and that's one of the great things about hunting is everyone literally pulls their pants on one leg at a time. It's just a great, you know, from all spectrums of life, uh, it's just something we can all enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Hey, I need to say good morning to a bunch of people on Facebook. They're watching us on Facebook Live right now. We got Fishing Dave, we got Jay, we got Tony, Dan Larson, Kenny. Uh, so thanks for everybody checking us out on Facebook Live this morning. We appreciate that. So, you know, Grant, I've known you for a long, long time. I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, I, I came mm-hmm. across I came across some stuff this spring because I was just getting hammered with folks calling me about turkeys. Uh, they weren't seeing or hearing birds. And, uh, and it wasn't just uh, in Iowa. It was in Missouri where I went. It was down in Kansas. It was in uh, over in Illinois, Nebraska. A um, lot of folks are concerned about uh, the lack of turkeys or the turkey population in, in the Midwest, especially. And, you know, talking with Jim Coffey, our turkey biologist here in Iowa, and Ty, uh, uh, Renell Ty down in Missouri, um, a lot of it has to do with habitat. You know, it does. I mean, turkeys, quail, pheasants, uh, it all boils down to if they can have a successful net, nest. You know, because if you can have one bird make 10, and you're going to lose some of the predation or whatever, gosh, that population can grow and sustain a lot of hunting and, you know, a lot of good things going on. But in Missouri, for several years now, and depending on the part of the state, that recruitment has been about one, and it's up and down just a little bit. 
average of one poult per hen. So what that probably means is nine hens lost their nest and one successfully raised ten on average poults. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, so when you're barely replacing yourself, the population's going to decline because there's always going to be predation. Yeah, and that you know that's the first thing out of everybody's either their text or email was you know what are we going to do about the predators and stuff. I mean, I hardly got anything about habitat, um, and everybody always goes to the top three: raccoons, skunks, and uh, you know possums and stuff like that. But it's just uh, you know I I've learned so much uh, from this year from just talking with everybody. I didn't know that uh, a normal a normal successful clutch or you know if a hen has that ten to twelve eggs. You know, if they get thirty percent survival on the pulse, that's considered a success. I I would have thought it would have been higher than that, but thirty percent. No, is what, 30, 30 would be huge, and I don't think any state in America is anywhere close to that right now. No, yeah. nowhere close. The only state yeah. I know that's close to that is Hawaii, and there are very you may not know this. There are very few ground based predators, and turkeys sleep on the ground over there. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't even know. I, it's shocking. A lot of people don't even know Hawaii's got turkeys. Well, they didn't originally, you know. They were they were brought over there by, by a bunch of diesel fuel pushing them. But um, yeah, they, and so when you don't have ground based predators, it's amazing how quick those turkeys learn. Well, heck, I don't need to fly out in a tree; I'll just sleep right here. And that should tell us all how big it influence predators have. And I'm a habitat guy, but I got to tell you, and I've had this conversation with the Missouri Department of Conservation, some other powers that be, because this is a becoming I'm going to say either a major concern or a crisis, literally. And, and from the couple episodes you, you may have watched or saw, we've done a couple things about turkeys this spring. Uh, I mean, I've had calls from Alabama, Louisiana, South Carolina. A lot of state agencies are starting to say, we better get our ducks in a row really quickly. Right. And we can't do, I'll say this to all the state agency people listening, you can't just keep doing the same thing you've been doing. That is not working. So there's a couple factors out there. Uh, so I'm 60 years old. When I was in high school, a raccoon was only about 40 bucks green. And let me put this in real terms. If you're on a date, you know, you're going back in the day to the drive-in movie or something, and you saw a pretty good-sized coon ran over on the road, and it wasn't too smashed. You stop and do it in the trunk. Cause that was 40 bucks. That was like four more dates right there. Yeah. And you didn't even have to skin it. You just took it to the fur buyer and that was $40. And now, you know, if, if you can sell them and there's a lot of coon hides that are not sold every year right now, but if you can sell them, it's about $4 literally. So I'm a habitat guy, but, and we've done some graphics to explain this and use data from our property here. But if you have the best habitat in the world, and there's a predator about every acre out there. It doesn't matter how the quality of the habitat. Yeah, and you know, so it is habitat. But what some of, I think potentially some of my fellow biologists are missing, when it's great habitat, but you've got a lot of predators, just a lot, a lot of predators. So let's just think about this: bald eagle populations are up about fourfold in the last decade, and that's huge. It's a great conservation success. But they do eat turkeys. And anyone, I don't even have to quote any numbers, everyone driving down the road, especially in the winter, sees a hawk on every telephone pole and every third fence post. There's no doubt that, you know, raptor populations are way, way up. And then we've all been taught now, when I, when I was a boy, you saw a snake, you killed it. I'm not, 
I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for saying this, but, you know, people don't kill snakes anymore. Not a lot of people don't. And it, back in graduate school, way back in the day, when I finished, I'd finished my Ph.D., <clears throat> I was doing some work for Auburn University. I had a great big quail project going on, and we had a bunch of quail fitted with radio collars, not GPS. That wasn't the thing yet, but radio collars. And on quail, that's about the size of a nickel. You put a couple of rubber band things around their wings, and that fits right in the middle of back so they can still fly. And long before cell phones, a graduate student, you know, gets to a place and calls me and says, I don't know what's going on, man. I mean, this <clears throat> the antenna says this quail's in the middle of a wood pile, a great big dozed-up pile, and it wouldn't be there. And I said, you're right, but that's a $500 collar, so figure out why, why my collar's in there. So they dug and pulled and dug and pulled and dug and pulled. And, of course, it was a big gray rat snake. And they said, what do we do now? I said, well, you got to kill a snake and get our $500 collar out of it. And that's $500. So they killed it and hung it up, and they went in the vent. And for those that don't know snake terminology, that would be where, you know, what they eat comes out the back end. It's called a vent on a snake. And started skinning downward, and there was some little lumps and a big lump. Well, the short story is there was nine eggs in that snake, and then the mama quail, the hen. And she tried to defend the nest, apparently, and, and the hen was the last thing that snake ate, and that's how we got our collar back. Wow. Well, and I don't think a lot of people, when they think of predation on, 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 on game bird nests and stuff, you know, I don't think a lot of people think about snakes. Like I said, they usually go to the raccoons, the, the skunks, the possums, or the coyotes, or a bobcat. But, you know, you also got squirrels. I mean, squirrels will get in there, and, and crows, and... Crows are huge. Squirrels are incidental. Deer will eat a few turkey eggs, but that's incidental. So I'm a, I'd like to consider myself a practical sense biologist. So let's just take a couple examples. The habitat in central Kansas was ag a decade ago, and it's ag now. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's been this major change from CRP to ag. That land, like Iowa, was too valuable for a lot of CRP. So it's been crop fields, and it's still crop fields. And there's been some fence rows missing, but not major changes. But the turkey population has plummeted. In Missouri, let's use some real stats. Our harvests went down 24 years straight. The trend is 24 years of declining population, period. Okay, right. so we're not ha- we don't have to guess here. And then you go to places where the habitat hasn't changed a lot, the population is still declining. <clears throat> But I'd like all your listeners to go to, uh, you can just type in MDC, Missouri Department of Conservation, Predator Survey, and that'll take you to a link on the web. And NBC does great work. They're a great agency. And they put out scent stations every year, and they put it like a trapping scent on there, just like I use for trapping, and then put lime or something down so they can see the predator tracks. And, and they'll get an index, you know, how many coons come this year versus last year versus next year, whatever. And they also survey bow hunters, how many coons did you see this year, how many possums, how many cows, whatever. And those numbers, these are all indexes. They're not exact counts, but they're good indexes. Did you see more this year than last year? Did you see a lot less, whatever? They're going up year after year after year. The trends are amazing. And if you And I've done this. And if you invert that or you just reverse the numbers, that – that trend almost exactly mirrors the decline of turkey population. Now, I've done that and took spring rain, because we hear a lot, oh, it's the spring rains, climate change, it's spring rains, it's flooding out turkey nests. And I have plotted those rain numbers. And some years, it's, boy, it's wet. 
Like this spring was really wet where I live. And some years it's dry as a bone. But predator numbers on a real steady increase. Yeah. So you have less habitat and more predators. That's a fatal, fatal recipe for turkeys or quail. Or here in Missouri, we have about 27 species of songbirds that nest within five feet of the ground. We blame the South Americans for the decline in songbirds, but it's tough to raise, you know, a nest when those little songbirds are chirping, 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 and there's a coon every acre. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Grant, hang on for a minute. i got to take a real quick break. Folks, we'll be right back on 1350 ESPN. You're listening to Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Waking Up the Outdoors at Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. We are live at Principal Park. It's the big salute to the Outdoors Day at the iCubs. It's uh, gates open up at 538 this afternoon. Uh, first pitch is 708, and we got a bunch of stuff to give away. We'll have the Iowa DNR here today and a whole bunch of other folks to visit with you, and uh, we'll tell you more about that at 8 o'clock. Dr. Grant Woods from Growing Deer TV is on with us, and we're just talking a little bit about habitat and uh, the turkeys was the main thing that got us going on this, but uh, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna ma- migrate over to deer here pretty quick. Uh, hey Grant, tell everybody about Growing Deer TV real quick. Hey Dan, you know years ago I got tired of traveling. I'm a consultant. I work with a lot of different states and landowners. Working Iowa a good bit, and uh, just didn't want to travel quite as much. My friend Bill Winky, <clears throat> pardon me, there from Iowa said, "Why don't you?" you know, do some stuff on our show, and Bill and I have been buddies a long time, and I said, well, gosh, I think I'll just do my own, and he, we're still buddies, he's fine, so we just started making a web-based show, been very blessed, it's now started just at Growing Deer, our own website, and then Bass Pro now streams it every, every week, we make a new show every week, 52 weeks a year, we've never had a repeat, and never missed a week in 11 years, so a lot, yeah, a lot, I know, Dan, you're thinking, that guy's stupid for doing that all the time, but yeah, (laughs) and what we do is just, what we, what I'm doing this week is what's on the air next week, we don't like film forward and take a vacation, it's just what we do, Yeah. so I do a lot of habitat work, and of course I hunt, and that's just what's on the show, whatever's that week is what's on the show. Yeah, I tell you, it's crazy. I I just uh, was talking to Hunter and everybody here at the ballpark, and it's like I can't believe I've been doing this lot for for twenty five years now. It just it's crazy, that's for sure. Hey, it yeah. goes qu- it goes quick, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. So you know, g- le- uh, let's let's finish up with the 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 habitat for the birds and stuff because one of the one of the things. I I learned uh, this spring was how vital nesting habitat is for hens, especially after the poults hatch and they're looking for bugs. They they have to have easy access to the insects and stuff that they're gonna they're gonna need for nutrition because um, they're only gonna be able to survive. Uh, Grant, what is it like a day or so off the off the uh, stuff from the egg? Yes. Yeah, it's it's not yes. very long. So if if yeah. you don't have that habitat, that's gonna have the the insects and stuff for them poults to eat those hens are not going to have the uh, they're not going to put their nests there yeah or they won't be they're trying to nest somewhere but they won't be successful so that young chick needs a lot of protein like any newborn yeah and they're, they're built to eat insects spiders soft insects a, a brand new little chick is not eating a big grasshopper right they're not taking that down but spiders and stuff like that uh ticks that'd be great uh 
that's their big source of protein for them to grow and calcium and everything. So I actually like spiders, not in the house, because I know it's good turkey food. And also, you think about it, and this is especially true with a quail or a pheasant, but even a turkey, you're not burning your woods every now and then, and you got an 8-inch leaf base in there, and that hen does nest in the timber. Those chicks are pretty much dead for they ever hatch because they can't walk through 8 inches of leaves. They can't. They just got two little legs, and they're, they're brand new. They don't even barely know how to walk. They're not flying. So those chicks are dead. Ideally, they're born in like a native grass stand or something, not fescue. That's horrible. And the reason is that native grass is a clump grass, and there'll be bare dirt. There'll be grass and cover and bare dirt, grass cover, bare dirt, grass cover, bare dirt. And there's a bunch of insects in the habitat, and they can get around. And it's also what we call umbrella habitat. So there's a canopy over that bare space, and that keeps the avian predators from just knocking them off. You know, if you got a bunch of chicks out here on your driveway, the, you know, the hawks and everything else are going to knock them off. And if you've got real dense, thick stand of fescue, they just can't walk through it. They're, they're just dead. Same true with quail and pheasants. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I tell you what, if anything, Grant, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned more than I probably would have done if I wouldn't have noticed the turkey populations being down. But unless somebody's actually doing some of the improvements and stuff to their farm or their leases that we, what we're talking about, I mean, I don't know. I don't think things are ever going to get back to where, the way it was for the 80s. And, uh, you know, when I first moved up here to Iowa from St. Louis 20 years ago, the big thing I heard about was pheasants. Um, you know, pheasants are huge here. Sure. Um, and everybody sure. was saying, damn, we wish you would have been here in the 70s. I mean, the pheasant hunting was so tremendous in the 70s. And But, you know, farming habitat and farming practices have changed so much since then. I don't think we'll ever get back to the heydays. Do you? You know, I think turkeys are much more general than pheasants. They eat snakes, lizards, whatever. They're, if we can do a couple things, and we didn't mention one more thing about habitat while we're there. Is so started about 20 years ago, but it really ramped up in recent years. About 90 plus percent of corn seeds. So we're in Iowa. You won't, but I will get a lot of hate mail. And about 50 percent of bean seed is treated with neonic. They're neonicotinoids. Uh-huh. That's a super strong insecticide. It's about 30 times stronger. I need you to understand this. 30 times stronger than DDT was. Wow. So you think about 90% of all corn seed in Iowa treated with something 30 times stronger than DDT. Now, how many times have you and your listeners harvested a turkey in the spring, opened up its crop, and it had green or orange seed in it, and those seeds are colored green or orange really brightly, and a lot of people don't understand this because that's a warning of the toxic insecticide on there. And that well, tells people this should never be fed to wildlife or even domestic cattle. That's why it's colored that way. It costs money to color it, and that's a warning. Huh, and if I you just read the label, it would be something simple like Poncho is one of the brand names. There are several brand names. Poncho, Cruiser are two real common ones. And it will say toxic, all these toxic things. Do not even graze cattle in this field for a minimum of 45 days. But yet our turkeys often fall in the planter down the field. Farmers gripe, and I'm a a farmer, folks. I was raised on a farm. My cousin was a state vet of Missouri for 30 years, three decades. I'm all over farming. But sometimes we learn a better way, and we're now learning that these neonicotinoids 
are very, very toxic. And a lot of seed companies, to their credit, are pulling them off the market because they're now learning, which is a fabulous thing. But this is also uh, most likely, very likely, it's an unequivocal reason our pollinator species are declining because this insecticide is built to go through the plant. It's systemic. And so it gets into pollen, and that's a big reason our pollinators are declining. This is not theory, folks. If you Google Neil Nix on the Internet, you'll find hundreds of scientific studies, not a dozen, hundreds of scientific studies, not, you know, someone, you know, out in California, oh, my gosh, the sky's falling, scientific studies. But it's not getting the public light. I don't know why. So, so when you say pollinators, I mean, are you talking about the bees and stuff? Yes, yes. We, yeah. we know what's going on. It's not a rumor. We know what's going on. And, but also, there's a lot, this is a shock a lot of people. There's published research out of South Dakota University showing the impact on deer, reducing their fecundity rate, actually causing a little shortening of their lower jaw so they can't eat quite as well. They got an off bite. Neonics are toxic, toxic things. And, and you think about Iowa, 95% of the corn seeds have been treated with it. Hmm. But there are, there are safe alternatives out there. There are, and a lot of seed companies have now, you know, I've, man, I've done a lot of things in my life that I didn't know any better until someone told me, well, Grant, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, okay, you know. So there's some good, good research, good information coming out, and a lot of seed companies are stepping up plates, and oh, well, here's a better and often less expensive alternative. Yeah. Well, and I, and I know a lot of the farmers that are big conservationists too, Grant. So, Absolutely. I mean, so if they get that information, they're going to make a they're going to make a better educated choice. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, a- yeah. I agree 100. percent Yeah, we just want to share that information so everyone. I honestly, until you just told me that, I didn't know that. So I, I a lot learned of people some, don't. That's why I'm yeah. trying to get the word out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you take a little quail that's got four kernels of corn in it, and it's bright green or orange. That's a lot of toxicity for a quail. They're probably not going to make it. So you're saying that that lasts about 45 days? Well, it will get, it, that neonics are designed. They were designed originally to be systemic or just that seed coating. It's on the seed at a really, really high rate because it's not just to keep critters from eating the seed. It goes through the plant to keep critters from eating the plant, insects. Right. So, it, so think about this, folks. It goes through that seed kernel into other seed kernels. Gotcha. And you're feeding that to wildlife or you're feeding it to cattle and we're eating the cattle. So we're, we're actually going to be getting some of that in our diet. Oh, it's, there's tests folks. There, there, and this is probably, again, I'm not, there's no rumors here. I would not do that. I'd be out of business tomorrow. Published research out of Canada and I, I'm not going to quote the exact number, but north of 60% of all the turkeys they checked had neonics in their liver. Well, I know when I was talking to Jim Coffey, they were doing studies about some of the some of the uh, effects of pesticides and stuff like that. I, I know that they are looking at that. So mm-hmm. Th- mm-hmm. that's good. That's good, Grant. That's good to know. So let's 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 transition over to deer real quick. What mm-hmm. if someone is lucky enough to find finally get their own hunting ground, or if they are lucky enough to uh, have a lease where they can manipulate the the property to what they want to do? What's one of the first things they need to do when they when they take charge of that ground? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, and, and my answer is probably not what most people are thinking about. First thing you need to do is look at your neighbor's properties. You, we all want to see deer, right? Right. And deer need food, cover, water, and you want to find out what's the most limited resource in the neighborhood. You know, so in Iowa, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to plant corn. My neighbor's got 800 acres of corn. I'm going to plant corn. There, there's no reason for deer to be at your place versus his place. It's willy-nilly. So you want to find out what's the most limited resource in the neighborhood and add that to where you can hunt. And then to refine that even more, you know, you're kind of managing or do you just want to see deer. If you just want to see deer, you want to make sure you got the most limited resource in the neighborhood during hunting season. Or you say, well, Grant, my job is such. I only get to hunt the early season. Then you better have something that deer are attracted to during early season or late season because y'all know, boy, you got that little insurance strip of corn left out there during the late season. All the deer are going to it because it's only grain left. Combines are very efficient. So we want to have the most limited resource for deer, and water is almost never a limited resource. But we want to have the most limited resource year round if we can, and at minimum during the hunting season. And that's right. going to vary depending on what you are. Maybe cover a lot of places, especially in Iowa. Once what I call the annual forest is harvested, once all the corn and beans is cut, there's very limited cover in Iowa. Very limited cover. So it may well be that if you've got the best cover in the neighborhood, boy, once that corn's cut, you've got all the deer on your property more hours of the day than not. Yeah, I, I know one thing. We started supplementing uh, in between the crops. We started putting food plots in. And, mm-hmm. uh, my gosh, Grant, I could just, I mean, it was night and day difference, even on the trail cameras where I was seeing more inventory of, uh, of deer and different, you know, does and bucks. But, uh, then I was where we were just relying on the food, on the food source that was planted. So, I mean, sure, anything, so, and any, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. so, yeah, so I'm saying, so when all the, when all the surrounding crops are harvested or you're planting something they need at that time of year, the beans are starting to yellow off. They're not very palatable, but the grain's not quite palatable yet. You know, corn anymore, BT corn, is doggone hard for deer to get off the cob. It's not like the old-fashioned corn where they could gnaw off there. you got to remember, deer don't have any incisors on their upper jaw. It's not like you and I taking a big bite of an apple. They don't have any incisors. They're built, you know, to eat vegetation. Uh, so they don't have incisors, and if you've got really these new 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 genetics, really really tight kernels of corn on the cob, it's tough for deer to get it off there. Yeah. Well, I, I know one thing: unless they got a raccoon buddy that was knocking them off the stalks and and breaking them up for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's a ton of raccoons, no doubt about it. <laughs> those no raccoons, yeah. those—I don't know how many times I've been sitting at a tree stand and I've been hearing corn stalks shake and stuff, and I grab my bow, getting all excited, and here comes Rocky Raccoon, you know. So you know, just, and let's just think about that just a second. Of course, in Iowa, the roadways—you could hunt a ditch line. Pheasant hunters used to do that all the time. Well, well, a lot of people don't realize trappers did that, and even Ryan. I'm in South Missouri, down by Branson, Missouri, mm-hmm. and I knew guys here. And they would rig up a trailer with a couple of, you know, house chest freezers, literally, and a little generator. And they'd go to Iowa and back when fur prices were good. And in a couple of weeks, what was considered, if you did good, the number was 1,000. You need to catch 1,000 coons to be considered a really good trapper in a couple of weeks. And they didn't have any permission, so they just trapped every bridge they come to, literally, 
would be several traps underneath it. And there were so many coons traveling those creeks that three or four guys might catch a coon, literally. Right. This is literal. There's lots of books and articles written about this. Well, no one does anymore. No one, because the fur prices are so low. Yeah. You take, you know, several guys catching thousands of coons, and now they're not, but there's plenty of food. There's corn, there's beans, there's silos. There's plenty of food. That coon population has just exploded in Iowa. Oh, it's it's just not Iowa. I mean, when I hunted Kansas last year, I I was seeing more coons than I was deer. I mean, I was out. I was over by yeah. I was by Salina, Kansas, on that Republican River, and I was shocked the amount of raccoons I was seeing. Grant, it was crazy. And and let's think about that just a second. And this is a lot. This is another thing. I don't think a lot of people understand. So you know, those big old corn-fed coons, they can literally get thirty pounds or more, literally. And they're voracious predators. I, I would five times, I trap, I would five times more rather walk up to a coyote in a trap because they're usually just cow down like your dog. A coon, it thinks it's a grizzly bear. It's coming after you. Yeah. Not maybe, it's coming after you. And so you got a 30-pound coon going through a fawning area, and it finds a brand-new six-pound fawn. It's not going, hey, Bambi, Hope you're having a good day. It's going, there's a six-pound protein package, and that's my lunch. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think about that. No, they don't. But there's, again, research out there showing a lot of fawn hair in Coons Gap. Yeah. You can always look at the scat and see what the diet is. Yeah. Hey, Grant, hang on. i got to take one more quick break. We'll be right back with Dr. Grant Woods right here on 1350 ESPN. It's Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. Uh, welcome back to Waking Up the Outdoors at Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. Dr. Grant Woods is my guest, and we're visiting about habitat for all sorts of game. Now, hey, Grant, now I know that you got the TV show and everything, but uh, habitat's kind of your gig. I mean, if someone out there that's got ground, um, if they want to have you consult or come out and do something, you're available for that, aren't you? We do. We assist about 40 landowners a year. It's just a time thing. Matter of fact, next week I'll be in western Kansas assisting a couple landowners out there. And I really enjoy that. I just enjoy uh, helping people enjoy their land creation more because I think there's so many lessons, especially if they got kids. You know, you plant a food plot or harvest a deer. There's so many life lessons there that I think our nation really needs. So I really enjoy helping people improve their habitat. Yeah. You know, I've been bow hunting 30, 33 years, I think this year, and I always learn something new every season. That's the thing about the fun thing about going to hunting or fishing. You always kind of learn something, but I, mm-hmm. uh, I started doing mock scrapes this year and doing, uh, mm-hmm. doing a uh, horizontal, horizontal, uh, rubs. And mm-hmm. Grant, I, I couldn't believe I'm, I keep, I'm getting pictures like I never got before. Uh, and I try to educate folks that, you know, deer use a scrape all year round. They, it's not the intensity yes. it, it is in the breeding season, but that's how they, you know, they socialize or communicate that way. But you can do a lot of things with those mock scrapes this time of year and kind of take an inventory of what you got running around. You know, absolutely. I define mock scrapes for guys my age as the old telephone booth. Maybe now it's the cell phone, but it's just a point <laughs> of communication. You know, hi, how are you? I'm over here. Yeah. Would you like to have a date later? It's just a point of communication. Yeah. The, I tell you, them white-tailed deer, man, they're fascinating critters, aren't they? 
Oh, they are. You know, Dan, I found, I was raised on a little farm and, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe at the barbershop or something. I heard they were going to restock deer in the county I lived in, Greene County, Missouri. And somehow that just got in my mind and, and I had a little trap line. There's rabbit traps. I'd take old barn wood and build rabbit boxes or gums, rabbit gums, some people called them and trap rabbits in our old fence rows. And, uh, and one morning it was cold it was in the winter. My dad's going to go to work and I'd done my chores. I was out checking my traps and I found a female fawn in a little field that had been shot in the head. And every since then, I have just been fascinated with deer and really, really dislike poachers. Yeah, and, well. and so I grew up in an era when most young men wanted to be in the army or be a policeman or a fireman. Those are all great. But I just wanted to work with deer. I didn't know what that meant. So I was the first guy in my family to go to college and, you know, and just, and I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I wanted to work with deer. And I just kept following that and God was good and opened up the right doors. And so that's kind of how my whole career started. And I'm just, and still today, I love learning about deer. I love learning about deer habitat, what plants they eat and, and a lot of things. And so something, you know, we talk about learning stuff new, you know, it's kind of become a fad for people to make these long, narrow cover strips. And, and sometimes in the South, they're called SMZ, Streamside mm-hmm. Management Zones. And here in the Midwest, oftentimes there's actually government programs. They're called CP33, kind of conservation strips. And that is such a no, 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 no. Please don't do that because here's why. You've got a, a 30-yard or 60-yard cover strip along the edge of a field. And, and usually it's downhill on the, you know, on the field edge. There's a creek or a drainage there. And at night, cold air sinks. Cold air is heavy, and it sinks. So all the thermals are going right through that strip. The coon or coyote, where they're traveling right by that creek or that drainage, whatever, so all the scent of a fawn or even an adult deer, certainly a hen on a nest or a pheasant on a nest, is going right to the predator. So what those narrow strips really become are predator food plots. That's where predators hunt to get their food. And, and they're totally unnatural. You know, before European settlement, our cover plots were big, big patch of native grass where a fire had burned, campfire got out, lightning strike or something. And when you make these long, narrow strips, you're just encouraging the prey species because it's the only cover in the neighborhood. It's the best cover in the neighborhood. You're encouraging them to nest there or fawn there or even bed there. And that just makes it just like we plant a food plot to concentrate deer and see them. We're concentrating this game at their most vulnerable time for predators to hunt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a little jealous of you a little bit because um, I can't take part in this because I'm an Iowa resident now. But Missouri's going to have its first bear season this year, and this will be our second year in Missouri of having an elk season. So yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of things going on back home, uh, Grant. That uh, that you get you're going to be able to get to see close up. So I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Well, we have bear on our property where I live, and, and I applied for a bear tag, and one of my employees did, and neither one of us were drawn. Uh, you know, I'll be, I, again, I'm a very transparent biologist, guys. So I wish they weren't here. Bears are like big, gnarly raccoons, except they can tear up <laughs> a whole lot more. Yeah, but and, they, and tear up they taste good, Grant. They taste good. They, well, when we get a season where you can harvest enough of them, you know, where you could might get a tag, I'll look at that. But they, they, they are, 
and, and let's just think about this a second. I, I'm just kind of teasing about bears. I like seeing them like everyone else does. But so in in Missouri and a lot in Louisiana and a lot of states, the bear population has really exploded. A lot of people don't realize this. Arkansas will harvest over 400 bears a year, more than a lot of big bear states, and multiple Boone and Crockett bears a year in Arkansas. Yep. yep. Um, and they weren't here that many decades ago, and, and Missouri's just overrun with bobcats, especially southern Missouri. I mean, you know, we got bobcats like field mice or something. It's amazing how many bobcats we have. There are so many more predators now in my career. I've been a certified wildlife biologist over 30 years. There are more predators now than at any time in my career by many, many fold. And there's less habitat. So there's more predators, way, way more, way more per acre. So no wonder our prey species, some of our prey species are, are really suffering. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Hey, I got to, uh, Grant, I got to go. We're up against a hard break. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you for consulting or if they want to find, find out more information about Growing Deer TV, how can that, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, just, just go to Growing Deer or if you want to write us, info at growingdeer.com. Info at growingdeer.com will get to us. All right. Hey, can we get you back on again? I've gotten a ton of comments during the interview. People love hearing you. Can we get you back on sometime? I'd love to. Love to share. Thank uh, all right, you for we'll the opportunity, get you, Dan. We'll get Oh, it's my it's my pleasure, buddy. And uh we'll talk I'll get a hold of you and we'll get you back on uh in the fall sometime. Take care and have a great day. Thank you, Grant. Be good. There he goes, Dr. Grant Woods, Growing Deer TV. Great interview. We'll be right back on 1350 ESPN. This is Outdoors Dan on Des Moines Sports Leader, 1350 ESPN. My field of dreams was covered in stone, an old gravel park and lot next to all. Uh, let's see, uh, real quick. Let me get some, I got to get some, uh, stuff done. Chick-fil-A has got a new shake out. It's called a peach shake. Uh, it's an ice cream and peaches. Perfect day for a cold treat to enjoy outdoor. Go out to uh, Chick-fil-A over there on Mill Civic Parkway and get you a uh, peach shake. Nah, we don't have any peach shakes here. No, well, no. Why not? We should have peach shakes. So, and then, uh, real quick, three rivers, boat and RV storage. Thanks to Dick, Daniel and Tracy, 60 bucks a month. Uh, you get one month free when you pay for a year. They're 12 by 50, 12 feet wide by 50 feet long. They're great spots, 24 access. They got security cameras up. I've got a couple of stuff down here. They give you discounts for multiple spots. Just give them a call at 515-822-1362, and they will take great care of you. So, so are you excited about today? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited to have fans back in the ballpark, and I think we've uh, – I think we started talking about this two years ago. Yeah, um, and the old for, uh, the old pandemic got us yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully we're we're finally here and and get to get it off the ground. So if you're just tuning in, what we're doing it's an all outdoors day at the park. Andrew called me uh, about a year year and a half ago and said, "Hey, we want to do something to outreach to the people that like to hunt and fish, hike, go camping." And I said, "That's a great idea." 
And uh, so we started working on this. And uh, first 500 people through the door or through the gate tonight is going to get a brand new micro Kershaw workshop sharp. I'm sorry, a workshop sharpener that's got some tools in it and everything. Nice sharpeners. Yeah. yeah Great nice. sharpeners. And then uh, you just come by the. Uh, I'll have. Uh, where are you going to put me out there by the hot dog stand? Uh, we're going. Yeah, we're going to be right inside Gate B. Hot dog uh, stand there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, free hot dogs. And then no, I'm kidding about that. Uh, and then uh, so you come by Andrew Brown, my Andrew here on the radio show, and I will be there. And then uh, we'll just need you to register. And if you register, I got these great little uh, Kershaw swags to give away. Um, while they last, and then uh, at uh, what are we, are we giving prizes away in the seventh inning? End of the eighth is, end when, of, it, end of the is eighth. when we'll draw for the the big prizes. Yep. Yep. So uh, we'll announce those, and uh, someone's going to get a brand new thousand dollar elite bow tonight, which I'm very excited about. That's what we use on Respect the Game TV, and uh, we've got a three four hundred dollar Grizzly cooler to award, and a two hundred and fifty dollar gift card. And that's not even counting the sharpeners or when you leave, you get a brand new Sportsman's Warehouse hat. And then you guys got some giveaways going too, right? Yeah, we're uh, kind of throughout the, the ballpark. We're going to have some stuff. Uh, the DNR is going to be uh, giving out some items for, for fans right across from Dan's table. And so uh, we're excited for, for everybody to come out and kind of, uh, we've been talking this whole time about combining America's uh, pastimes. Yeah, so. There you go. All right, we'll have more with Andrew when we come back on 1350 ESPN. Whether it's camping, hunting, or fishing, you want your camping setup to be easy and your stay as comfortable as possible. Camprite has been helping folks enjoy the outdoors as problem-free as possible since 1999. Camprite employees are outdoor enthusiasts that use and design each product to make sure your adventures are ones you'll want to remember. They carry great tents like the original tent cot that started it all. This fully enclosed off-the-ground sleep shelter combines the comfort of a standard sleeping cot with the added protection of a tent. Camprite features several models of tent cot units including single and double units. They also specialize in sleeping bags, camping tables, cooking prep units, chairs, and other fine quality outdoor products. With over 17 years of field testing, great outdoor gear products, Camprite is the right choice to make adventures not only comfortable, but also carefree. Check out all these Camprite products at your local Sportsman's Warehouse or anytime on the web at Camprite.com. That's Camprite with a K.com. So it's time to refill the tank. Where are you going for a great meal that won't break the bank? Well, why not fill up at Central Standard Restaurant in Waukee? There's more than great burgers and handmade ice cream shakes waiting for you at Central Standard Restaurant. They specialize in great food like buttermilk fried chicken, smoked pulled pork, grilled salmon, or an Iowa pork tenderloin, to name just a few. Central Standard Restaurant features a large menu that will be sure to please even the pickiest ones in your crew. The daily mac and cheese specials will bring a smile to any kid from 5 to 50. The shakes are just like mom and dad had back in their day. Cold, tall, and amazing. Central Standard Restaurant features shakes like birthday cake, cookie dough, strawberry cheesecake, chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla are always available as well. From large screen TVs and plenty of local and domestic brews, you'll be relaxed and enjoying your time at the Central Standard so much, it'll become one of your go-to places. Carryout is always available at Central Standard. Central Standard Restaurant is located at 1222 Southeast University in Waukee, Iowa. Just a short drive from anywhere. Central Standard Restaurant, the perfect place to fill your tank when you're hungry. J.R.N.T. Des Moines. <laughs>
Morning Mayhem, a Des Moines radio group station, 1350 ESPN, online at ESPNDesMoines.com. You're listening to Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. We like our dogs with mustard and relish. Up the outdoors at Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. I got Andrew Quillen from the iCubs with me, and uh, we're here to celebrate the outdoors. Uh, gates are going to open up at 5:38. Let me make sure I say that one more time right. 5:38, and then uh, the game is 7:08. 7:08, first pitch. Yeah, first pitch. So there we go. Now I've had five people ask me, "Are you going to let me shoot the hot dog or the shirt gun today?" You? Yeah. Y- yeah. I, th- I think we've uh, we've got some slots open, so we'll get you. Shooting some hot dogs out to the fans. Yeah, I think that would be great because I think I'm just going to have shooting air and I'll just eat, keep the hot dogs and eat them. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's, there you go. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, just, just come on out. We've got a lot, we gave away tickets and hopefully it's nice to see everybody come out and uh, it's just going to be a great deal. And, you know, we're, you're actually talking about doing this every year. So this is an event that's going to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've talked with, with you, obviously, and growing our partnerships there. And then also uh, the DNR is already on board for next year, yeah. and, and they're throwing out ideas of new things that they want to do and, and and draw attention to. So I think it, it's something that we're looking at doing every year and, and growing each year. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then I was telling Hunter, Hunter's over there, our great engineer, that uh, yeah, we might even be doing a 3D shoot here in the park, which would be fun. Yeah, uh, it's something that that we're looking at doing. I think uh, we kind of, that idea spurred from uh, some of the players shooting down on the field actually in August, getting ready for a season before they go home. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of what spurred the idea, and, and I think it'd be a neat event at the ballpark. Well, I talked to Archery Field and Sports, and Mark and uh, the the guys over at Mid Iowa Archers would all be in on that. So, I mean, how many times can you say you get to go shoot your bow at Principal Park? Huh? That would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So we're working on that. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're hoping to bring that uh, to the park sometime soon, and and I think it'd be a fun thing for for fans. Now, see, next year, I think a great thing to do if when we get Larry Mack here, uh, Larry's in Ohio. He had another. He had to go to Ohio, but next year when we do this, I think we should put a three D deer target out there about thirty yards, and have a contest between Larry Mack and our Paul Ryan and I, who could hit the target with a hot dog gun. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> there you go. It's harder than it looks. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be just a great deal to do, you know? Any updates on Beast Feast? Yeah, I'll I'll talk about Beast Feast. Beast Feast is ready to go. It's going to be July 30th, and tickets are available. Um, I'll give you a link here in a little bit, Richard. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see about the hot dog thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get him to commit. See, I, I'm trying, folks. I'm trying. So we'll, we'll get you out there for some practice today, maybe. Oh, there you go. Uh, it's, my dreams come true. Yeah, I can retire now. I've shot a hot dog gun. So there you go. Uh, what else is good? What do you guys got going at Principal Park? I mean, you guys got a lot of things going on. Uh, any highlights or anything you want to tell the folks real quick? Yeah. Uh, you know, all of our promotions are on our website, iowacubs.com. Uh, we have our weekly promotions that we always do. Sundays are popular for us. Uh, for families, bring your, your kids out and they can run the bases after the game. That's always a big one. And then, uh, of course, we just got done with our Friday night fireworks last night. We've got a few of those shows uh, left for this year. Well, there you go. There's always something going on at Principal Park, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, keep an eye out for, for more promotions to come. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And thanks for inviting us out today. Um, hopefully we get the game in and uh, it should be a fun night at the ballpark tonight. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully the weather holds off, and we're looking forward to seeing the fans out and interacting. All right. Thanks, pal. Thank you. You're welcome. There he goes, Andrew. All right, let me do the fishing report brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse real quick. Good morning, Wade. How you doing there over there in Illinois, man? Good to see you. Uh, Arrowhead Lake, the crappie bite is fair. Largemouth bass is fair. Blackhawk Lake, crappies are fair. Walleyes are slow. Gills are slow. Bass are fair. Brushy Creek, the yellow perch bite is fair. Gills are fair. Uh, they're picking fish up in 10 to 15 feet of water. The walleye bite is slow. Minnows are leached. Fish under uh, a rock or woody structure is producing the best fish bite. Large ba- the bass is uh, good on weedless lures along the vegetation and weed lines. Uh, black crappie bite is fair. Storm Lake, including Little Storm Lake. Water clarity is about 3 to 5 feet in most areas. Channel catfish bite is good. Cut bait or troll crankbaits along the shore are producing the most fish. The eyes are good. Shore bite is slowed. Early morning, late evening on the walleyes is going to be your best bet, folks, uh, as far as everything I'm hearing. White bass are fair. Trolling along the dredge cuts with cranks uh, or spinners with crawlers are doing well. Bass bite is fair. Gills are fair at Storm Lake. Swan Lake up in Carroll County, the bluegill bite is fair. They're picking up fish between 7 and 8 inches. Small jigs fished under a bobber near shore. Uh, the crappie is fair. Bass are fair. Water temperatures in the mid-70s. Upper Pine Lake, the black crappie bite is fair. You want to drift uh, fish a tube jig in deeper areas of the lake. Early morning bite is best. Gills are good. Bear, uh, bass are fair. Not bear, but bass. No bear, just bass. Sorry about that. Hunter's over there cracking up on that one. Uh, East Ogoboji Lake, 79 degrees. Leeches and worms are producing the best right now. Oh, look at that. I got a blank sheet of paper. I have no idea. Did I lose my... What in the world is going... What in the world, wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Oh, I was scared there for a minute because I had like three or four sheets of blank paper. It's like, did my printer skip? It wouldn't shock me. Trust me. I had to get Hunter to come over here and help me with my uh, screensaver before we started. Uh, East Ogoboji Lake, uh, 79 degrees, crappie fair, gills are fair, pumpkin seeds are good. Lost Island Lake, yellow perch is good, uh, black, uh, black, uh, black crappie are fair, bluegills are fair, walleye are fair. Minna, Minna Sh- Andrew, what did we say that was, Minnesota? <laughs> it's, yeah, Minnesota. All right, Hunter. M-I-N-N-E-W-A-S-H-T-A. Minnewashta? Yeah, Minnewashta, according to Hunter. I'm going to go with Hunter. So, Pan fishing has been good. Anglers trolling weed lines as well as fishing docks and hoist near show. Black crappie are fair. Gills are fair. Pumpkin seeds are good. I'm, I've got like a, a, a three-eighths ounce or uh, uh, I don't even know what, what the fraction is of uh, Cherokee in me. So my, my Native American heritage is ashamed of me right now that I can't pronounce that lake. Silver Lake uh, is starting to uh, green up due to the algae bloom. The walleye bite is fair. Spirit Lake, walleye bite has been hit or miss mostly at night. Day bite has been fair to pour unless you're right on top of them. Gills are starting to sit on beds. West Ogoboji, water temperature 77 degrees. Crappie gills and black crappie are fair. Uh, three mile lake. The walleye bite is fair. Jigs tip with a night crawler, a leech fish along creek channels in 10 to 15 feet of water is producing some fish. Uh, gills are fair. Tri jigs fished along the creek channels in the flooded timber. Largemouth bass bite is fair. Uh, bass up to 18 inches with jigs near cedar trees or brush piles or along the weed lines is producing some bites there. 
12 mile, uh, the dock is in at the main ramp. The largemouth bass bite is fair. Bass up to 21 inches with jigs fish near the cedar trees or brush piles are, are getting a good bite. Gills are fair, uh, 10 to 15 feet of water to catch bluegills up to 8 inches. Walleye bite is fair. Walleye are of all sizes with jigs tipped with live bait. Fish along creek channels or to flooded timber. 10 to 15 feet of water is about the zone you want to try. Uh, let's see. Big Creek walleye bite is fair. Uh, jigging or trolling crawler or leeches from the marina around the beach, the east boat ramp bay, and west boat ramp bay. Crappie is fair, and wipers are fair. Uh, Boone District Farm Ponds, the bluegills are on their beds, and the bass bite is good. Des Moines River, Sailorville to Red Rock. Channel catfish bite is excellent. Anglers are catching uh, catfish and flatheads below the dams uh, on cut bait crawlers and live bait. Wiper, hybrid, striped bass, fair. Don Williams Lake, the crappie bite is fair. Bluegills are fair. Uh, Hooper Area Pond is being drawn down, so you can go down there with a tube or a kayak. And the bluegill bite, they said, is really good right now. So there you go. And let me see. What do we got? Red Rock Channel Catfish Bite is good. Cranks around the rocks or drift cuts are producing fish. White crappie are fair. Drift and troll plastics in the coves off the main lake and the white breast arm. And Rock Creek, uh, bluegill bite is fair. To, uh, jigs with a piece of crawler or fish near the wood. White crappie bite is good. Drift jigs or minnows offshore 5 to 15 feet of water on the bottom half of the lake. Catfish bite is good on the upper end. So there's your fishing report today brought to you by the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. And uh, there you go. So uh, for the Beast Feast, let me, let me talk about that real quick before we get into this other stuff. Beast Feast is going to be over at Stony Creek Inn on Friday, July 30th, and that is to benefit the Family Cancer Network. This is our 16th year doing that for charity, and I think we've raised, thanks to you, uh, we've raised over $140,000 to help kids fighting cancer here in Central Iowa. So thanks to everybody that's always come out for that. And uh, you can go and get tickets right now. Um, I think there might be one or two tables still available, but, uh, the web link, if you want to go, just go to www.fcnet, fcnet, fc, frank, frank, charlie, net, net, dot org, and then look, just do forward slash beast feast, or there should be a link on there. And, uh, that's where you go to purchase tickets. And uh, we're going to have some really good chow this year. We've got venison. We've got alligator, uh, antelope. We'll have some bear. Uh, we got some geese, some duck, quail, and uh, I don't know what else we got. Uh, we might have some. Uh, we might have some. Um, I don't know if we had elk or not. I think we might have elk too. But uh, the food's always good, and uh, we got some great auction items for you to try to win. Larry McCoy will be there, my buddy off Respect to Game TV that I'm on with. Uh, and then Donovan is going to be there from Triple H Outfitters. We've got a $1,500 hunt to auction off with Donovan in Kansas and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think Chris from Pet Stop is going to give away a uh, underground fence system for the live auction. And that's just a couple of things right there. We, we, uh, we always give away an elite bow that you can try to win. And uh, let's see, I think the first 200 people that buy tickets to show up, you're going to get a brand new Grizzly. See my Grizzly uh, coffee cup here? 
this is really, really nice. Well made right here in Decorah, Iowa. And uh, I think the first 200 people through the door is going to get a brand new Grizzly Cup. So how about that? That's a great souvenir right there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, let's see. I think other than that, I think I'm all caught up. Uh, do you, did you hear about the boat crash at Sailorville? I don't know how many of you did or not. Hunter, did you hear about that? DNR investigating a boat crash at the mile long bridge. Uh, you know, who's out there all the time is Jimmy. Jimmy Olson's always out there boat. And I wonder if Jimmy saw that, uh, Iowa department of natural resources and other agencies responded to a boat that crashed into the mile long bridge at Sailorville Lake on Monday, July 5th. Five people aboard the boat operated on, I, I won't say that, were injured and taken to the hospital. The DNR does not currently have any conditions available on those I injured. The DNR Law Enforcement Bureau continues to investigate the boat crash and will release further information via the press once it becomes available. The DNR asks anyone that witnessed the crash or the boat's operation immediately prior to the crash that has not already spoken with law enforcement, please contact them, uh, Sergeant Craig Cutts at... 515-238-4847, 515-238-4847, and they would appreciate your feedback. How about that? So there you go. All right, it is 8.13 and some change. Let me hit a real quick break so I stay on time. We got mail We got mail segment coming back, and we got Smoke and Joe Smelter, and we got some other fish to fry before we get out of here at 9 o'clock. We're broadcasting live at the iCubs. I wish you were here. Hot dog gun. We might have hot dog gun action tonight. I'm excited about that. Did he Did he say I could do t-shirts too? I think I might get to shoot t-shirts too. That, hey, how about that? Mudcat? Yeah, come on. Hey, Mudcat, if you're here tonight, let me know because I will definitely try to get a hot dog coming your way, man. And if I know where you're at, I'll try and hit you with a hot dog. So there you go. We'll be right back on 1350 ESPN. It's Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. Welcome back to go Waking Up the Odds on 1350 ESPN. Andrew's playing Go Cubs Go. I think that's kind of apropos. No, I didn't mean to rhyme that there, but, uh, you know, look at that. It just kind of fell together. I, got a, I even got a little smirk from Hunter over there, you know. So, Andrew, what are you doing today? I haven't even, I, I, you know, when I'm on the road, the bad thing is I don't get to talk to you during the breaks, man. Yeah, hey, and they've got you on the uh, parking pass, uh, so when you get here at 5 o'clock, just tell them, tell them you're with me. Of course I will. Yeah, and, and don't anybody else do that. You know, there's only one spot, so i got to give that to Andrew because, you know, he's, he keeps me on the air every week. Uh, honestly, you know what, if you want to do that, I'll let you take my turn and let you do that. Cause I mean, how many times can, no, you can, I'll let you shoot the hot dog gun. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to be busy visiting with folks. So if you want to shoot the hot dog gun, I'll have you do it in my stay. And, uh, you know, how many times you get to do that in your life, you know, <laughs> this is something you could tell your kids about. There was, Huh, I remember when I got to shoot the hot dog gun at the Cubs, kids. That was, uh, that was so awesome. Yeah, that's going in the <laughs> uh, You want to do a little, uh, we got mail? Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Wait, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. Wait, wait, hey, hey. 
Read Mr. Postman. You, you, you've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You've got mail. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. All right, it's time for We Got Mail, brought to you by Darren Islander, American Family Insurance in Ankeny. If you uh, need a uh, quote or you want to save some money, go uh, see my buddy De- uh, Darren Elvis Islander over there in Ankeny, and he'll take great care of you. This week's question is from James Billingsley of Madison County. He wants to know, what is the best mineral for bedding areas? Um, honestly, James, uh, I lo- I, I've been putting out Lick and Grow. Uh, that's made by Backwoods Attraction. And if you're using a mineral in your area, it, you got to be careful of a couple different things. One, do not put mineral out where you have any chance of hunting over it because you cannot legally hunt over a mineral site in the state of Iowa. It's, it's a no-no. So don't do that. I actually put it out in a sanctuary or a bedding area that I don't go anywhere near. Um, I'm, I'm several hundred yards away from that, and uh, we bow hunt everything, so that's well without a... Uh, without, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to be in danger of hunting over that. Another thing with, with the DNR regs, from my understanding with talking to, uh, DNR officials, you, you have to put that mineral out where it doesn't influence the travel of the deer. So in other words, you can't put it, uh, several hundred yards, uh, to on one side of you and then hunt to where the deer are coming by you to get to that mineral. That would be considering influencing the travel of the deer. That would be a no-no as well. So you have to position that strategically where you're not going to be hunting anywhere around it or you're going to be having deer come to it that's going to aid you in trying to hunt them. So just when you do that, put that out. Make sure you where we put it, it's out in the, way out in the middle of the property. We don't go anywhere near it. We're hunting way away from that. And where we're hunt, hunting, the deer are not going to that to where we can get a shot. So... Try to set that up that way, but mineral is good. It helps with the overall health of the deer herd. It helps does with their lactation. It helps with them uh, pass along nutrients to their fawns throughout the, the season like right now. It also helps with bucks with their antler development. So mineral is beneficial, but you just like I said, you need to be careful when you use it and stay within our, our good graces of the DNR. So. Uh, so anyway, uh, great question, James, and you're going to get a work sharp sharpening system for being kind enough to do that. If you would like to try to win one of those, just go to outdoorsdan.com. You'll see a cartoon mailbox on my homepage. Just click on that. My email will pop up and I just need you to do, uh, send me a question. And, uh, if I read it here live on the air, you're going to get a brand new work sharpening system or something of that value, uh, just for doing that. And, hey, just one one entry per household, please. Want to make sure everybody gets a chance to uh, try to win one throughout the year. So there you go. So we're out at the iCubs. If you're just tuning in, it's the outdoors day at the park. It's a celebration of everything, uh, hunting, fishing, hiking, camping. Uh, first 500 folks through the door at 538 today is going to get a brand-new WorkSharp sharpening system. Uh, our sharpener, excuse me, a sharpener. And uh, that thing's great for the tackle box or your hunting pack. You're going to love that. I'm always using mine in the field or on the water. And uh, then we're going to have several great prizes to give away in the, uh, Hunter, what do you say, the bottom of the eighth? Yeah, yeah bottom of the eighth inning tonight, we're going to give away a $1,000 elite hunting bow. So that'll be your choice, left-handed or right-handed, and uh, choice of color. 
and uh, we got a Grizzly cooler, which who wouldn't want to win a Grizzly cooler? That stuff, if you haven't had a Grizzly cooler, Hunter, have you had a Grizzly cooler? Have you ever used a roto-molded cooler, a real high-end cooler? What's nice about these coolers, folks, you can put a bag of ice in there, and if you don't open, you know, open the lid a couple times during the day, that will hold ice for four or five days. So is that not great? I mean, I actually, when I, excuse me, when I was elk hunting last year, I, uh, we, we took our elk and we quartered it on the mountain, got it back to the lodge, and we put it in the cooler. By the time I got back to Iowa, I had ice and Arctic ice in there. My elk was froze. That's how well insulated they are to hold the cold. So if you want a great cooler, come on out, and you might win one tonight here at the iCubs. It's a great, great prize. And then if that wasn't good enough, uh, we got a $250 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse. We also have coupons from Sportsman's to give away. When you come and register at the at the table tonight, Andrew and I will be there manning that. Uh, we'll give you a, a Sportsman's Warehouse uh, gift card to get, uh, just uh, to use when you go shopping. And when you leave tonight, the first 500 people through the gate when you leave is going to get a brand new Sportsman's camo hat. So we got a lot of swag to give you tonight. Plus, you get to see a ball game. Uh, that's a win-win-win, huh? That's all right. Go. Hope the Cubs do good tonight. Let's go Cubbies. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm all caught up. I think we're all caught up. Andrew, are we caught up? Yep, we're good. We're actually moving along pretty smooth. And we already got one break in, right? All right, we'll see. I'm I'm being efficient today. I, it's it's a miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle. Let me tell you about Herman's Fine Jewelers, Donnie and Frank. They've been helping folks in Central Iowa for over 29 years. They're located over at 2900 University in West Des Moines. Their phone number is 222-2600. If you got a, a a special occasion coming up, if you're thinking about popping the question, they've got over 10,000 diamonds and mountings in stock. If you need something custom made, They can do custom-made designs. They've got some great in-house designers. They also can do on-site jewelry repair. If you got something, uh, if you got a a necklace that the chain broke, or if your latch broke, or what, or the hook, you can don't have to get just throw it away. Take it over to Herman's, and they can fix it for you. So you got your your uh, your favorite thing to wear, and they'll do that. They've been helping Iowans for over 39 years. You'll see the difference when you walk through the door. They really appreciate their customers. Herman's Fine Jewelers, and if you uh, have jewelry that you just don't wear anymore, say you inherited some stuff that you don't want to wear, um, you don't know what you're going to do with it, well, you know, hey, you need a new trolling motor, you need some fishing gear, you need some arrows, broadheads, whatever, go take it over to Herman's Fine Jewelers, and chances are you're going to get more for your treasure there than you will from somebody that's in a mall or you know just never been part of the community very long herman's fine jewelers that's where i always go and you'll see why once you walk through that door it is 8 27 and some change let me hit one more quick break when we come back we'll see what smoking joe smelter's doing right here on 1350 espn this is outdoors dan on des moines sports leader 1350 espn All right, welcome back to Waking Up the Outdoors at Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. Hope everyone's having a great Saturday. Thank you so much for making us part of your weekend here on ESPN Radio. We appreciate that. Hunter's here keeping us on uh, on location. Uh, thanks to Hunter for coming out, getting up so early to come out and do the broadcast for us. We appreciate Hunter doing that. Andrew is back at the station, manning the controls, keeping us on the air on that end. 
So uh, anyway, hey, uh, I think this new live stream stuff uh, that we got going on, Andrew, uh, we got a lot of good compliments on it. I think everybody's happy with it. Yeah, and I mean, when we tried the other deal, the the audio was off like ten seconds. It was not good. So this one's spot on, though. So and again, that's exactly what we want. So hopefully, it keeps that way. Yeah, hopefully. So we're good. So, and I remember my charger today, so we're not going to lose the feed a half an hour early. So there you go. See, you're yeah, I had to write it down. I had sticky notes everywhere. Bring your charger, stupid! You big dummy. So. We'll see what's going on. Yeah, thanks, Fred. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Hey, you know what's really cool on this too? I got we got uh, I got actually sound effects on here that I can play on the live stream. Like I got I got Obi Wan Kenobi right here, man. So when I talk about Doctor Scott Obi Wan Kenobi Yagi, I can actually hit Obi Wan on my end too. How about that? We got dueling Obi Wans now. So how about that when we talk about advanced family dentistry? Hunter, did you know my dentist is a Jedi dentist? No. Do you have a dentist? Is he a Jedi dentist? Or her? Squirrel! No? I'm telling you. See, I'm a big baby. So when I I first started going to to, uh, advanced family dentistry over in Ankeny, Dr. Scott Yegi is my dentist, but it's Dr. Scott Obi-Wan Kenobi Yegi because he's a Jedi, and all he does is when he comes into the room, he puts his hand on your shoulder, and he uses the force to calm you down. So you don't have to worry about that, you know, the anticipation of getting a cavity or a crown. Or Have you had a crown yet? No. Oh, you're, wait, you, you got so much to look forward to when you get older, Hunter. You know, you know when you, have you had a cavity filled, you know, where they numb you up? You haven't had a cavity either? Hunter's doing awesome, see? Hunter brushes his teeth, apparently. So he brushes and flosses. But uh, Dr. Scott Obi-Wan Kenobi, since he's a Jedi dentist, uh, he uses the Force. I don't feel any pain or discomfort or anything like that. And what's nice about that, they've got four great dentists there. Now, he's the only Jedi, though. Dr. TJ, he's he's like he's like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Yegi's Padawan. He's learning. Dr. Brandt is a master Jedi. And then you have Dr. Stewart. So they all do great jobs over there. They can handle any kind of dental need. They can even give you the smile you always wanted with the Invisalign. But you know what they do? You know what they say when we go to uh, when you go to uh, Advanced Family Dentistry over at nine hundred seven North Ankeny Boulevard? They say, always. "May the may the floss be with you." That's what they say, Hunter. May the floss be with you. Now, isn't that isn't that catchy? <laughs> I, I mean, come on. I'm telling you, may the floss be with you. It's a good. So go see Advanced Family Dentistry. They'll take great care of you. Dr. Scott will be one Kenobi. Tell him Outdoors Dan sent you. He always likes hearing that. And uh, and Dr. TJ and everybody over there and um, Stewie and everybody, thanks for every all the support. They they really, they uh, going back to the Beast Feast, Dr. Dr. Yegi actually uh, actually did some stuff for the Beast Feast. So we, we really appreciate all the fine all the fine help over there with our friends speaking of help did we get smelter online yes we did are you are you there little little buddy uh, i've been waiting patiently for my arrival have you been waiting patiently yeah yeah, yeah. i've been talking to andrew and, and just i want to make sure you're giving him some credit for taking care of you know the office so while you're while you're away again I, I I did. I told everybody, you know, okay. he was keeping us on the air. I I'm, yep. I'm I try to be gracious about that stuff. It's a lot more clear too, just so you know. Is it clear? 
Yeah, I can hear you much better than any other time. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yep. because Hunter is taking care of this on the transmitting side right. on this side. There it is. Yeah, so maybe Andrew, maybe Hunter needs to help Andrew. That that's very possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so what are you doing? Uh, I drove by uh, during the storm yesterday. Wasn't that wasn't that beautiful? That was oh, that lovely. Was amazing. Yeah, we, we we escaped barely, so that was nice. Yeah, did you didn't get any hail damage over there? No, nope. no hail. I heard there was a ton out west, out by Polk City and Johnson and Grimes and Granger areas. So uh, we escaped it, which would have that have been. Well, granted, you know we don't have any cars here, so <laughs> you know if they, if there's a time that it's going to hail, I mean, bring it on, I guess. But now that's we, the that's the first time I think in twenty something years of broadcasting I heard a, I had a car person tell me, "Well, I'm glad we didn't have any cars on the lot." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the one benefit, I guess. I mean, we we actually have more now than we've ever had. I think we're up to like twenty or twenty-two right now. So yeah, and I have well, that, five trucks here, so that that's baby steps, right, Dan? Yeah, hey, it's all coming together. I, it I is. you know, if anybody's going to get some trucks, it's going to be Carl's. Yeah, someday we'll get some. Yeah. Yeah, so what's uh, so uh, you know? I I know you and I talked about now's the time to order your truck. Just uh, call you and say, I want to order a truck because you can get everything just like you want it now. What What's the turnaround time if someone wants to buy a vehicle? Uh, that, it can kind of be tricky. So it depends on the type of vehicle, too, because some of them are built south of the border and some of them are built, you know, in the States, too. It's a little easier to get on the ones in the States because they're not going on train up to a transportation shipping yard and then coming here on a truck. So it's it's a struggle too on on options so i mean if you're looking some for some really higher end options i mean it could be four to five months before i get something potentially uh, but if you're wanting like uh, like a traverse those are pretty easy to get i can get those in probably about 10 to 12 weeks just which is pretty the the common turnaround for a vehicle like that uh, tahoes and suburbans are a little tougher too because they're just they're not a mass production type of vehicle so we can still do some ordering. We can still order, you know, most of the options that you may want. But, you know, we, a little bit more time down the road, we'll be able to order a lot more and get every option you can get. So All right. well, it's someone's still looking, to get a little everything. Someone's looking for a new vehicle, you know, don't get frustrated if you can't find one on a lot. Just call Joe over at Carl's and he can order one for you and he, he'll, he'll take great care of you. And, hey, if you got a used car, now's the time to trade because you're going to yep. get way more for your money than you ever have before. Way more, yeah, and we have, if you're looking for used cars, too, I mean, we have four lots to work with, so, I mean, if I don't have something necessarily here on my Ankeny store, I can go to my one other three lots that we have and and find something for you, so, I mean, we have a lot of sources to work with, and we can definitely find you something that, that makes sense for you. All right, well, tell them where they can find you. I'll be here till 6 today, and I'm at 1101 Southeast Ore Labor at The Rock. All right, Smoking Joe, thank you, buddy. See you, buddy, have a good one. You too. Thanks, man. There goes Smoking Joe Smelter. So, Andrew, what? The, where are we at? We got two breaks in. We only have we only have to take one more break, right? Yeah, one more big break. One more. So we got time. So uh, I had a bunch of questions about trail cameras uh, this week, and I I just uh, you know a lot of people are getting ready to start getting their trail cameras out. They haven't gotten them out yet. I've been asked about uh, rechargeable batteries. I've been asked about uh, lithium batteries. Or alkalines. Uh, the best thing I can tell you to do is every camera is going to act or react differently to a battery. I mean, uh, this brand A might be not as good as brand B. 
Um, just honestly, I think lithiums are uh, from everything that I've ever done. Lithiums usually last the longest in the cameras. I'm using the the Tacticam reveals right now myself. Um, but even in the cameras that I used prior to moving over to Tacticam last year, my lithiums were always getting me about five, six months of the usage. Now, a lot of that's going to depend if you got it on video mode or how many pictures you're actually getting. But historically, lithium batteries has always been the, the best for me. Uh, rechargeables, I just moved over to rechargeables last year. And if you got a camera that's got a solar panel adapter uh, where you can plug that in, rechargeables is a great way to go you can fully charge those things put a solar panel connector on there and that'll last you for a long 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 time you might not even have to change throughout the season um, as long as you got enough sunlight and you're letting that solar charge back up and stuff but every camera again is going to be just a little bit different so you're going to have to just experiment with it and see what setting works the best hi wayne gilman good to see you buddy and I apologize to uh, everybody on Facebook Live that I haven't said hi to. Jerry Hall, Mudcat, Wade, Richard, Jim, uh, let's see, Josh, Charles, Gail, thanks to Michael, everybody. Uh, we got a lot of people watching us right now, so thanks to everybody for doing that. Appreciate you being on the live stream with us. We always, uh, always appreciate you listening in. Um, so just, you know, whatever options, uh, you know, you like to do, I, I'm running, I'm not running video. I do have video settings on mine. I've got mine set up on a 15 to 20 second delay, depending on what, what farm I've, I've got one farm. I think it's at 10 seconds. And then the other one's like 15 or I'm sorry, 15 and then one's 30. Um, cause they're just two different scenarios. I got one that's on a, a pinch point. So I've got a little bit wider angle, so I've got more room for that animal to come in and hit that mock scrape and then move on. So I've got that on the 30, and then I've got another area that's a tighter it's a tighter spot, so I've got that on a 15-second delay. Um, the longer delay you have, the, more, the, the longer your battery life is going to go. If you have no delay whatsoever or if you're doing a three-picture burst, then that's going to eat up a little bit more battery faster. So, you know, it just depends on your settings. You have to play with them and and uh, see how that goes so anyway i hope that answers your question for you uh i want to thank the fine folks over at jones brothers taxidermy uh, i talked to dave my elk is all done that i got on the tv show last year in colorado i can't wait to get my elk home uh dave and harv they do a wonderful job i don't thank them enough as i should uh they're over in mitchellville dave's retired now so he's got way more time to do taxidermy work than ever before so now if you have something that you got and you want to you want to get a memory made uh dave i would send you over there he's been doing my mounts oh my gosh i want to say 15 15 16 years he's done my bears he's done my deer he's done my he's this would be my second elk he's done he did my javelina uh if you have a mount that you want to get done his number is 515-249-4362 and uh, they'll take good care of you over there. So, Andrew, uh, what else you do? Uh, so you're going to be at the ballpark at five today. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. You bringing? Are you bringing food? Some? Are you bringing a cooler full of? Uh, full of? Uh, well, we probably can't do that because they sell stuff here. So we probably can't. Yeah, we probably can't do that, can we? So I don't know. What do you? Uh, so I guess we're gonna. Have, what do we? Eat? Or are you gonna have a hot dog, steak sandwich? What are you doing tonight? <laughs> Did you say some fries? Possibly. 
Yeah, possibly some fries. So, yeah, you know, no bag of peanuts tonight. Oh, that's like towards the end. Oh, is that towards the end there? Yeah. yeah you got to space things out. It's a, it's a marathon. Yeah. You know, I don't want to jinx anything, but the sun's at Hunter. The sun's actually popping out. It is. Yeah. Man, wouldn't it be nice if we stayed just nice and sunny the rest of the day? Wouldn't that be awesome, folks? No, huh? cut that out. I'm telling you. That'd be awesome. All right, it's 844 and some change. Let me hit one more break, and we'll be right back on 1350 ESPN. We are broadcasting live at Principal Park for the big outdoors day at the iCubs. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outdoors Dan on 1350 ESPN. That sound can mean only one thing. The most anticipated underrated trivia game in the United States, the Outdoors Dan Trivia Challenge, is up on deck. If you haven't won anything in the last 30 days, you can light them up, 244-1350, And uh, we're going to give away some Cubs tickets if you want to come to the game tonight. We can do that. I've got six pairs of tickets to give away, and uh, <laughs> I can't read that on the air. That's not nice. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, just uh, give Andrew a holler, and uh, we'll get you on the air, and Andrew will tell me you're on there, and uh, we will email your tickets to you after the show's over. So you'll have your tickets uh, with you, and uh, either, you know, and hey, if we do chance get rained out tonight which hopefully we won't those will still be good for another date so you don't lose anything so 244-1350 and andrew will tell me when we got some folks on the line so and we got someone here ready to go for you. oh we do who we got we got terry Stein. he's ready for you well let's go say hi good morning to terry hi terry hi how you doing dan we're good what are you up to today oh not much just getting some yard work done before it rains well i hear it don't say that r word <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want any more of that R word. You know, we need it, but let's wait till after the game tonight. All right, there you go. You want to go to the game tonight? Um, I am busy tonight. Okay, well, I've got tickets for tonight. You want to? You want to call me back next week when we got yes. something else? Yes, I will. All right, Terry. Thank right, and thanks, thanks for listening, buddy. We appreciate you. you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. All right, if you want to go to the game tonight, two four four thirteen fifty two four four thirteen fifty. Next week, we'll be back to regular trivia, so you hang in there for all my other friends out there. Andrew, any takers? He's on the phone. I can tell he's on the phone. So, All right. I'm just going to wait for Andrew. Hunter's over there patiently waiting. Two hours went quick, didn't it, Hunter? Sure did. I'm telling you. Fastest show on radio, man. It's crazy. Hey, there's actually, I bet you that's a player. There's actually somebody walking across the field right now. I don't know what they're doing. I'll give you the play-by-play. He's at second. He's in the second base shortstop position. He's gradually wa- – oh, there's another person. I don't think they're players. I think they're part of the grounds crew. Yeah, oh, they're pulling the tarp. That's a good sign. If they're pulling the tarp, that means that's good things heading our way. He's coming from the center field position, folks. He's gradually walking in. He's coming to the corner. Yeah. Oh, we do. Who and who we who we waiting on? Well, Dave. Well, let's go say hi to Dave. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. All right. You want to go to the game tonight? I sure will do. All right. Uh, you got two tickets to the game tonight. So uh, just give Andrew your your uh, email, and we'll email those out. All right. You bet. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you tuning in. So uh, there you go. All right. 
So, hey, I'm going to be hanging around. Uh, if you're downtown at the farmer's market or if you're in the vicinity, just come out to Principal Park by the store. I'll hang around for about 20 minutes if you want to come out. And I'll, if you like, I will give you tickets. And you can make it to the game tonight. Ooh, now, oh, now there's Andrew. I see Andrew Quillen. Andrew's approaching the plate. He's dusting off his shoes. He's grabbing the tarp pin. He's now booking over to third base. He's 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 walking. He's doing fast. I think he's going to make it. Hunter, I think he's going to make it. Well, look at it. Because uh, I'm just not that talented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell you what, man. He's good on those pins, man. He's whiffing those pins out pretty quick. I'm telling you. He's done this before. That's awesome. If they're pulling the tarp, I, I got good feelings coming my way. I'm telling you. I think we're going to. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking 73 degrees and sunny. I think that would be ideal for the game. Yeah, just just a hair, you know, you know. So just so we can get the at least if we get to the seventh or eighth inning, and uh, get all the prizes out and have folks come out. So hey, uh, doors open up at 5:38. Gates are open. Uh, you can come on in. There's going to be folks here from the Iowa Department of Natural Resources for you to talk to. Andrew and I will be here. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. So hopefully you pack the kids up, bring them on down, grab a hot dog, some lemonade. Uh, I got to say one thing. I just I just found out about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, there is a vendor here. It's called Stew's Barbecue. And it's owned by a guy by the name of David Ladd. David's a super nice guy. And I just found out his partner, Dixie, uh, passed away a couple years ago. And I did not know that. She was one of the nicest people, I've, folks, I've ever met in my life. And I, I don't know what happened. I didn't want to be rude and ask. But uh, God bless you, Dix. I, ho- I hope you're doing well upstairs. And I, I know you're in heaven because you were just a very, very, very nice person. So I am very was very sad to hear that. But if you get a chance, if you come out to the ballpark or if you go over to uh, see the, uh, see the uh, folks at the, uh, at the hockey uh, at the uh, arena, Make sure you get a Stew's lemonade, uh, Andrew. I took last time Andrew and I went to uh, to over there to the game. Uh, I had to buy Andrew two of them because they were that good. You woof those things down there, Andrew boy. Oh my gosh, it was like liquid gold. Ah, I'm telling you, that's all right. So anyway, but uh, Dave's got Dave's got a stand over here and at the hockey games downtown. So uh, you know, it's always nice to support good people, and uh, we really appreciate them. So. All right, man. I can't believe it, but we're out of here. Uh, this hour, this hour went quick. I want to thank Dr. Grant Woods for coming on. That was a great interview. If you missed that, please go back and listen to the uh, the podcast of the radio show. If you're into deer hunting, if you're into any kind of upland hunting, and want to make sure that you're doing habitat, and just I learned a lot in that interview. Uh, hopefully, you'll enjoy that as well. So thanks to Dr. Grant Woods for coming on, and I appreciate uh, everybody else that popped on. Andrew Quillen, thanks for. Uh, the iCubs having us out here today for the show. Uh, thanks to Hunter for keeping us on the air uh, from the radio station and Andrew there at the station. Until next week, y'all be good to one another. We're all in it together, and we'll see you right here tonight at the Principal Park at 538. Gates open. Game time is 708. Until then, God bless everybody. See you next week. Bye!